Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Capital One Bank. With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions, even easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Cars.com. Have you heard about the Your Garage feature on Cars.com? Here's how it works. You add your car to your garage to track its market value and cash in when the time is right to sell. Track both your car's historical and projected value when it's time to sell, easily secure an instant offer from a local dealership, or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. On this week's episode, Boris Johnson drops by to chat about being mayor of London, a writer, a great admirer of and now biographer of Prime Minister Winston Churchill, a potential future prime minister himself, and most singularly, he chats about just being Boris Johnson. I, I love I love old wooden tennis rackets. There are other old things he loves. I collect old cheese boxes. At one point in the conversation, the need arose to remove his shoes. No, yeah, hang on, I'm going to take them off. I'm just going to see if I can see what's in there. These are so worn that you can't... Hang on. Uh, oh, God. Welcome to Frequently Asked Questions, the Boris Johnson edition. From WNYC, this is Freakonomics Radio, the podcast that explores the hidden side of everything. Here's your host, Stephen Dubner. So let's begin. Please tell our listeners exactly who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'm Boris Johnson. I'm the mayor of London, and that means I manage most things in the city that re- require a, a strategic view. So the transport, the police, the the fire, uh, a huge number of stuff like that. A lot of uh, a lot of the building of new homes. I'm responsible for planning the strategic direction of the greatest city on earth. We have now in in London 72 billionaires which is more than New York. New York has only 43 billionaires, and Paris has only 18 billionaires, and Moscow has, I think, 40. So, you know, London is to the billionaire as the, uh, as the jungles of Sumatra are to the orangutan. <laughs> Congratulations on that. We're, we're proud of that. I mean, we're quite proud of it. I mean, let, let's be clear, we're, we have mixed feelings. but I'm sure you like your poor people too, though. Exactly right. And the argument that we make is that uh, the presence of these exotic creatures, the billionaires, is, is good for the whole ecosystem. And they, they support by their, by their billionaire activities, you know, asking people to bring the car around to the front of the hotel or whatever they do. And, and you know, going to night. That, that's all that, that adds the economic activity in the city, as I'm sure you, you, you understand. Now, before we 
get too far, I, I want to say uh, welcome to New York City, which is your birthplace, yes? Which it is. Many people and, don't know. And a city I absolutely love. We should also say that you are standing uh, again, running again for the House of Commons. In That's the spring, right. Yes? That's yep. right. Yes, a, a place I left about seven years ago. So for those who know you as the colorful, let's say, if we had to pick one adjective, Mayor of London. We'll get into that. Okay. I think many people can I, don't I can, I can know. use that. No, I can, I can yeah. handle that. Okay. <laughs> I, I chose not to go with bombastic. Um, bombastic many people okay. don't know what a really wonderful well, writer nice you, you are. Well, yeah, it, it was until yeah. I ended up using bombastic yeah. in a sideways <laughs> manner. But I, I really think you're a wonderful writer. Uh, and in fact, before you became a politician, you were a mostly very well-regarded journalist, having written several books. And your latest book uh, is called The Churchill Factor, How One Man Made History. It's being published, I believe, in the U.S. on this very day as we it, speak. This correct? is publication day. Congratulations. And I'm, you know, I'm very proud. I, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to, to be published in, in, in America. It's doing well in, in, it's, in London. It's doing no very qu- well in, in the U.K. So I, it and, I'm, and I'm sure it will do well here. It's a very good book. He's a fascinating character. Your interpretation of him is interesting on every page. Here's what I want to ask you, however. Okay. Um, we're used to politicians here and in the UK writing books about themselves in order yeah. to position themselves for future elections. I you know. having written I about know. yourself, and I know you've been asked this question, but I, I do want to call your attention to just a couple of passages that I found particularly Please. interesting uh, where you write about Churchill, and one could imagine without a whole lot of mental uh, choreography that, you're, that you appreciate these things about him because there are some parallels to you. Here, here are a couple of bits of uh, tr- descriptions of Churchill in the book. I knew you write that he had a mastery of the art of speech making, and I knew even then, this was when you were a child, that this art was dying out. I knew that he was funny and irreverent and that even by the standards of his time, he was politically incorrect. He was eccentric, over the top, camp with his own special trademark clothes, those wonderful jumpers, jumpsuits, and a thoroughgoing genius. Now, again, I don't mean to put you on the spot and say, would Dr. Freud or one of his many colleagues look into those words and see you writing about him, him well, thinking you know, about he, yourself? Maybe but, look, of course, uh, it, all British, it's, there's no question that Churchill casts a massive shadow, a spell. Uh, he intoxicates all British uh, politicians who come after him, particularly male uh, conservatives of a certain type who yearn to be like Winston. Of course, that's true. But, you know, I've got more in common, frankly, with a one-eyed pterodactyl or, or, or a Kalamata <laughs> olive. But he, he was a very remarkable guy. And, uh, I mean, when I say remarkable, I mean, that's an understatement. He, uh, he, he was, you know, he was not a big guy, by the way. He was five foot, six and a half inches tall. Uh, he had a 31-inch chest. He was a shrimpy sort of guy who built himself up partly by dumbbells, partly by sheer self-projection to become this incredible buffalo-like figure. I discovered amazing things about him when I was writing the book, uh, and I concluded at the end, you know, to get to your point, that he he just was running on a different kind of biological fuel than the, than the rest of us, and he was able. What really knocked me out, you know, uh, you're a journalist, I'm a journalist. We know what you know. You, we know what it takes to write a, a piece fast, and and, and all, all the rest of it. But he he could he could drink. Red wine, white white wine, uh, whiskey, uh, brand, liqueurs, a dinner, uh, knock off, uh, have a huge cigar. At 10 o'clock or, or, or later, he would go to his office, stump up and down, and dictate until 3 in the morning perfect, brilliant, excogitated prose that, you know, amongst other things, helped him to win the Nobel Prize for Literature. Now, I can write pretty 
fast after lunch, even if I've drunk some alcohol. Uh, I cannot do it after dinner. I just cannot. I don't know anybody. Do you know anybody who can do it? No, I don't. No. So I think I think there was something strange going on with him. I well, think, maybe he had better whiskey than we do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think he just he just had more energy. And 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 you know he every day he would write thousands of words of, of memos. He he wrote more published journalism and prose than uh, I think than Dickens and Shakespeare combined. So you know he he was he was. Prodigious. The Churchill Factor is the book. It's really extraordinary, and I encourage anyone within the sound of my voice to read it. Now, Mr. Mayor, I'm about to ask you a a series of questions unrelated to Churchill, largely at least. Yes. Uh, These questions heretofore known as frequently asked questions. Right, And we we plan to make this a regular feature, asking exactly the same questions to many notable people. You plan to make this a regular feature, but this is the first time that you've tried it on some guinea pig. Not only is this the first time, so you're the guinea pig, but if you fail... If this goes really bad, this is going to be the end. Okay, well, let me... Okay, well, this is... So I just wanted to say that to encourage you to do your best. This is not... What what do you mean? You sound like my grandmother at the beginning. (laughs) uh, You know, darling, doesn't matter. Just do your best. Doesn't matter what happens. Let's begin with this. Tell me in 60 seconds or less, if you can, what you actually do in a given day, you particularly as mayor of London. I have endless meetings and give a huge, a huge and unbearable number of speeches. And I take decisions. Question. What's the best investment you've ever made, financial, emotional, education, whatever, uh, that led to your getting to where you are today? It was it was uh, getting hold of a uh, of a secondhand copy of Abbott and Mansfield's Greek Grammar, uh, uh, accidents and syntax, without which I would not be where mm. I am today. You were how old at the point? I was actually I was rather it was rather late in life. I was I was all of um, all of eleven uh, by the time I, I really started. Uh, it was I, my career my career in Greek was was I'm afraid did not get off to the usual cracking start. I, I was very slow. Who has been the biggest influence on your life and work and why? Well, uh, living dead, someone you knew, someone you didn't know. You know, what do you mean apart from my, well, no, it's obviously my parents. I, yeah. You know, that, that kind of thing. But I, I suppose culturally my biggest, my biggest influence has been, um, I would say Homer. The poetry mm. of Homer, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, that was the thing that really knocked me out when I was about 16. Having mastered Abbott and Mansfield, I then went on to Homer. And uh, that was massive for me because Homer is all about failure and mortality, which is, which is you know, you, you've got to understand you, when you reach my age. What do you worry about when you go to sleep at night? Uh, I, I tend to, you know, I, it is, the, the time between my head hitting the pillow and being, you know, folded in the arms of Morpheus is so short. I don't think I think about anything. I, I never have any trouble They say that's the mark of an honest man. Well, I'm so in my case, I certainly don't. I, you know, it's a long time since I've had a, had a sleepless night. I do burn the candle at both ends. So what sleep I get, I tend to, I tend to zonk out pretty firmly, I'm afraid. I'd like to ask you, uh, and forgive the impertinence, and I guess you don't have to answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway. I'd like to know your net worth today compared to that of your parents when you were a teenager, and you can mentally adjust for inflation if you'd like. Well, I think it's incredibly uh, difficult to compute because you see what's happening in London is that the kinds of properties that members of the bourgeoisie 
could afford in, say, the the 1960s or, or, or 1970s are now absolutely beyond the reach of people uh, of my generation or, or in certainly of my children's generation. So um, it, it, is, it is very difficult to say. I mean, think about my grandparents. They had an absolutely colossal house in, in um, where the hell it was, St. John's Wood, uh, which, you know, no way anybody in my family could now uh, afford a house in, in, in St. John's Wood. So it's something weird. So, so the London's, London's arrival as this global city that everybody wants to live in and, you know, of course, you know, it has many of the problems of, of New York, but London really is attracting huge amounts of international investment. It's got a massive population boom going on. The success of London is, is having a weird effect of, of actually uh, making it very hard for Londoners to afford to live there. And that's actually my single biggest challenge now as, as mayor is to build enough affordable housing for our, for our people. And, and, and we've got to do it. I mean, I haven't answered your question. You know, I would say, uh, you know, in many ways, I would say that in in income terms, probably even even deflated, um, my income is is bigger than my my parents was, uh, and certainly bigger than my grandparents was, even 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 deflated. But um, but you're uh, not as house rich. But, but in, of the in, of, in, in, yeah. in assets, in assets, it, it, there, there's no question that there is there is a steady impoverishment of the bourgeoisie, and we need to address it. Tell me something you've uh, habitually throughout your life spent too much money on but don't regret. Um, well, I, I, it's hair, haircuts. I mean, haircuts. Oh. I, you know, I spend an awful. <laughs> Have you ever paid for a haircut? No, uh, no. I'm joking. I, 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 I think. I think. Um, I, I've. I've I do tend I do I, I do believe that you should try and have good shoes if you you know decent uh, pair of yeah. shoes. Where do you get your shoes? I'm curious. Um, London. Yeah, what what's what shop though? I'm curious. Um, where are they? Hang on, they're, I think they're they're. Um, You're going to take them off? No, yeah, hang on, I'm going to take them off. I'm just going to see if I can see what's in the in the um sort of thing. These are so these are so worn that you can't. Hang on. <laughs> uh, oh God. Churches, churches, oh, churches, churches. Sure. Uh, churches shoes. Yeah. And they're very good. Sorry, Fine it, British it, it, and my my. My heel has more or less rubbed out the the gold lettering. I can just about see it. Church's shoes, <laughs> uh, those are fantastic shoes, and I, I would I would recommend those. They won't let you down. They won't let you down. Coming up on Freakonomics Radio, the mayor of London is happy to share his computer passwords. Is that, sorry, wait, 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 they're shaking their heads here. No, 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 I don't. No, 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 I, 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 Mick, I, I want you to know it's very common. It's mainly Greek. I use lots of algorithms. And fed up with England's poor showing in the World Cup, he has an idea. I really think we should be more like, you know, we, we should have, like, what was it, Uday and Kusei Hussein with, with you know, we should, abs- when, when they come back next time, we should just, you know, threaten to do something in the changing rooms with those guys unless they, they sharp them up. It's just unbelievable. Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Redfin. 
Whether you need to buy or sell a home or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin has got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even the same day with a local Redfin agent. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents get you the best price possible for your home. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Cook up a meal in a full kitchen, unpack and stay organized with the in-room alpha closet system, plus bring your pet and have your best friend by your side. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. Freakonomics Radio is sponsored by Amica Insurance. Amica Insurance is all about empathy. They know your auto, home, and life insurance are more than just policies. Home insurance is about protecting the life you've built. Auto insurance is there to protect you on the road ahead. That's why Amica takes a consultative approach to help protect what matters most to you. They are a customer-owned insurance company that puts your needs first, and their representatives are available 24-7 for claim-related matters. As Amica says, empathy is our best policy. From WNYC, this is Freakonomics Radio. Here's your host, Stephen Dubner. Welcome back to Frequently Asked Questions, a new and potentially permanent feature in which we ask a fixed set of questions to notable guests. Our inaugural guest is Boris Johnson, the mayor of London. I asked him, what's one thing he owns that he should throw out, but probably never will? Um, I love love old wooden tennis rackets. Um, I don't know why. I just... I love playing with them too, and one of the reasons, one of the several reasons why I'm very bad at tennis. Uh, but I, they just, they just, I just find them a gorgeous thing. I, I uh, and they, yes, they, they neither help my tennis nor they, um, they, they serve no practical purpose. But, but I, I, I love them. Uh, but I, I, I won't get rid of them. I won't get rid of them. Let me ask you this. What do you collect, if anything, besides old wooden tennis rackets? I collect old cheese boxes. No. Old camembert and brie no. cheese. I love, I love those <laughs> boxes that are made of very, very beautifully shaved wood so that they, they have this very smooth texture. Are they and round? Round is good or triangular. Uh, sometimes very large round, and on those you, I believe me, you can if you you can paint and get the most wonderful effect. I don't know why. I, I just love painting things on cheese boxes. Another Churchillian like, parallel yeah, painting. Or, or, I don't know about the cheese sounds boxes. A bit like George W. Bush, actually, but uh, yeah. but it's, 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 it's I kind of I I love it. 
Here's a question I'm curious to know if you'll answer at all. Um, yeah. What can you tell me about your strategy for creating and or managing computer passwords? Yeah, I try and do roughly the same one all the okay. all the time. Is, is that, sorry, wait, wait, wait. They're shaking their heads here. No, no, no. I don't. No, no, no. no. I, 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 I make. A, I want you to know. It's very common. It's mainly Greek. I use lots of algorithms. Uh, I, you know, you're not going to crack it. Alan Turing wouldn't crack my my my, my computer passwords. Favorite book or author other than yourself? Uh, I, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a ridiculous question in many ways, but uh, the book I can always read with pleasure and find a laugh uh, on every page is Scoop by Evelyn Waugh. There's no question. Mm. And it's the book that made me want to be a journalist. And, and, and uh, That and all the president's men. Favorite food? Curry. Really? What kind? Indian. Hot. <laughs> Uh, uh, what do you what, like? Would it be a, a fish curry, a meat curry? No, well, 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 it would be. What, I think a sort of very a, a Rogan Josh uh-huh. from from the from you know somewhere in mm. somewhere nearby. Now, do you cook? I I am capable of cooking. Do you make a good curry or uh, no? Marina makes. My wife makes very good curry, but I, she I, has I, an Indian parent, correct? That's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Does yeah. the curry come from that or it does? Unrelated? It does. It yeah. does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It does. Her her mother has got various mm. secrets that she's passed on, which I can't tell what? you. Uh, I, I, you were about to tell me your computer password, so I bet we could get you to tell us the curry secrets if we I really can't tried. Know what they are already. <laughs> In the interest of time, Howard, we'll move on to this. What's your favorite sport to play? Uh, well, the sport I loved and which I miss on a bright, cold day, I absolutely physically miss it, is rugby. The, the game that I actually ac- excelled at, the only game, one game I was really very proficient at was called the wall game, which I, I was quite good at. But, but that is not very widely played, unfortunately. Is that a, a relative of rugby? That's or a kind of relative a of rugby. It's a kind of relative of rugby, but, but you, you form two gigantic scrums against a wall. And the objective is to grind your opponents to a paste against the wall by pushing and, and, and shoving. Um, and I, I was quite good at that. Good training for both politics and journalism. Yeah, no, the, that's right. <laughs> Interviewing techniques. And <laughs> Favorite sport to watch these days? Ah, uh, boy. Well, I tell you what I loved. Uh, I, 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 I watch all sports with pleasure. But the thing I, I, I got into for the first time and hadn't th- really enjoyed before is this NFL thing, uh, oh. American football. Yeah. I mean, wow. Our propaganda has worked. We've been bringing it I to know, London yeah, increasingly. And actually, it's, yeah, it is working. And I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, because I, not only did it, the atmosphere itself was, inc- it was amazing, but uh, as I watched it, I actually I understood what was happening. And I could see the skill. Normally, I suppose what I watch, you know, rugby, tennis, football, the usual yeah. range of stuff. And who do you support in football? Oh, God. Uh, Is this going to get not, you in trouble? No, that, well, no, it's, no it just exposes my lack of sort of, of street cred. Uh, I don't really have uh, a, a, a football team that I passionately, really? passionately really? support. I yeah. should I do. I support all London sides. Anyway, well, that's uh, not saying that's 150 clubs or something. Not, but, oh, uh, I know. But there's none that makes your heart beat. You're not Arsenal. Is England. How about England? England. I support England. My condolences then. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. Pathetic answer. That's the best I can do on football. But. No, I, I just feel bad for you because there's such a... a 
difficult team to support. They're they're England. They're, they they oh, have yeah. that brief flurry of optimism every World Cup and oh, then don't, collapse don't. in a cloud of fatalism that it's was preordained. It's the most depressing thing. Sad to watch. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. we. I really think we should be more like you know we we should have like what was it Uday and Kuse Hussein with with you know we should abs- <laughs> when, when they come back next time we should just you know threaten to do something in the changing rooms with those guys unless they they sharpen them up. It's just unbelievable. The trouble is, I think that the mo- they are such successful players for their clubs that you know you asked a, about clubs that they, that they don't really for some reason in England we haven't done what they've done in Germany and built up the esprit de corps the the loyalty to England as an entity and they, and and so we don't have a great national as good a national side as as we could I think anyway that'll that'll get that'll get me into probably more trouble than anything I've ever said but anyway, there, there you go tell me something that most people don't know about you. More people, my first name is is Alexander rather than uh, rather than Boris. How about that? Well, that do family is, calls you Al. They call me, yeah, that's they, absolutely true. So the next time we see you, if you shout Al in the street at me, I will I will, I will give a guilty start. What do you not give a guilty start at if someone shouts it at you in the street? Would you? <laughs> if you someone someone who said you Tory tosser, I would I would take it as a badge of honor. So here's a question. What do you think will eventually lead to the demise of humankind and when will it happen? I think the demise of humankind will happen before we discover the secret of immortality. (laughs) I've always thought that there was a kind of... um, that the gods were engaged in... There's a sort of wager, a cosmic wager going on about whether mankind will destroy itself before it discovers the secret of perpetuating individual human beings. And, you know, it's kind of like trading places. You know, there are two old gods somewhere who've taken a very small bet, one obble or one, you know, one drachma. And one's saying mankind's going to wipe itself out and the other's saying, nah, 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 they're going to discover immortality and and, and the race is on. I, I think that we will... I you know I think the biggest threat that uh, we have is uh, uh, it sounds as though you're not very worried about climate change. You've, I'm, you've written, I, I, I you've think, written quite no. Dismissive. I, I'm worried. Well, 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 well. I, I, I don't think climate change pre- presents. I, I must be clear with, with you. I don't think you ask about the extinction of the human race. I believe that mankind, humanity, is well up to the task of finding the technological solutions to to climate change, that we are going to find them. We will deal with it. We will manage that problem. That is not the thing that's going to extinguish us. What will extinguish us is uh, catastrophic warfare, disease. Um, you know, eventually the sun will become a red giant and engulf uh, the inner solar system. And, you know, that, uh, I think it's, that's only four billion years away. So we've got to, we've got to work. I, I'm encouraged by this interstellar film, but I haven't mm. seen it. <laughs> I love the idea of it, but it's getting these bad reviews. I so wanted it to get good reviews. And it's really discouraged my hopes for, for, for finding that new world through the wormhole. You know, I, 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 that was, do you know what I mean? I, 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 I do. Was, I was yeah. thinking there was the low, there was the low garden door. Uh, you must have liked the rover that just landed on the comet. Oh, that that's got to be incredible. Fan- yeah, that wonderful. Fantastic. It's the yeah. most wonderful thing. It's the greatest triumph of the European Space Agency. It's gone 316 million miles at a cost of more than a billion dollars. And it's finally landed on this uh 
uninhabitable, pointless piece of rock, and it's dis- <laughs> disappeared into a crater, and they can't they can't find it, or they can't. It, it, its solar panels can no longer uh, are no longer receiving energy, and it can't transmit, and that's sad. So it's gone all the way there. But we should send someone else, another another craft as soon as we possibly can to go and help it. Would you be willing to ride in that craft? Yeah, I would. God, yeah. I would love to. It's only ten years, apparently. Ten years. Would that? Would you do it? Would you? Would you want to go? Would you spend ten years? I would not. But I applaud your initiative. And you would still be young enough to come back, become prime minister, serve a term or two there, then move here, establish residency because you were born here. Then you could become president of the United States. You'd be the first. And then people a hundred years from now will be writing books about you. <laughs> Well, I, I think the, the the first thing is about as likely as the second. And um, back to Churchill for a second. Um, I, I, he was a great technological optimist and enthusiast, and I think he certainly would have wanted to to terraform new worlds if he could. He would have been out there. You know, he don't forget he was the guy who invented the tank, and, and or, or he didn't. He, 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 his mind helped to uh, to drive it forward. He certainly. And he pioneered aviation and 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 all he was one of, of the first. You write one of the first uh, humans to ride in an airplane in Europe. Is that right? That, well, that's absolutely. Or do right. I have that wrong? No, you're yeah. totally yeah. right. And yeah. uh, you know, it was uh, obviously the first flight was was here in in Kitty Hawk in America. But it was only a few years later that Churchill was himself uh, at the controls at the controls of one of these crazy contraptions of. of uh, rope and leather and so on, and and he he almost died several times, and his instructors did die. You know, he he was just deranged in his in his bravery. Thank you so much Thank for bringing you. his history uh, back to us. I think the the mission of the book is wonderful to remind generations now who who Churchill was, what he did for those who are starting to forget or those who didn't know. And thank you so much for coming in it's to talk to us today about yourself. It's an honor. All best. Be well. Thank you. Podcast listeners, on the next Freakonomics Radio, the first of a two-part report on education reform. In this first episode, we focus on teacher skill. You may have heard that U.S. teachers are, well... They're just a little bit below average. But it isn't necessarily their fault. Yes, the way we train teachers is fundamentally broken in this country. And how can the perception of the teaching occupation be changed? We have armed forces board airplanes first. Well, why not have armed forces and teachers board board airplanes first? Is the teacher skill gap the biggest piece of education reform? Yes and no. That's next time on Freakonomics Radio. Freakonomics Radio is produced by WNYC and Dubner Productions. Our staff includes David Herman, Greg Rosalski, Greta Cohn, Caroline English, Susie Lechtenberg, and Chris Bannon, with help from Joel Werner. If you want more Freakonomics Radio, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or go to Freakonomics.com, where you'll find lots of radio, a blog, the books, and more.
Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, my God, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.